general, no one actually teaches people like us, no one actually teaches the generation after us to be resilient until we actually enter the real world. Have an open mind, do your work, be humble, don't be lazy, work hard and be patient, you know, you can be sensitive, but just don't be overly sensitive, you know, that is the difference. If at any point it reaches a point where you can't take it anymore and you really, really feel that there's zero value being brought to you, that's when I think that's a point where you actually, you know, move on. Hello and welcome back to one more episode of Euphoria by Malaysia Kini. And as usual... I'll be your host, my name is Daryl, and on today's show, I have two other guests. Both of them are my colleagues in Malaysia Kini as well. So, uh, one of them is one of our regular guests slash co-hosts, Samantha, say hi. Hi everyone, I'm Samantha, so happy to be back here. And uh, on today's show, we also have a newcomer. (laughs) Everyone say hi to Naz. Hi everyone, thank you for having me. Alright, so, and what are we going to be talking about today, guys? I'm sure that you have heard this at some point of your life called the Snowflake Generation. Have you guys heard of Snowflake Generation? Uh, yep, I've been called one before. Well, I, I think I've been in, you know, on, on both ends, I've been called a snowflake and, you know, I, I slowly start to identify why people call these kind of people snowflakes and, you know, I, I start to, you know, also know why people call me a snowflake when I was, uh, you know, just very new in the workforce. How about yourself, Samantha? I have also been on the both sides. Okay, maybe not on the same side that you were, <laughs> but I've, I've now been called out like you are a snowflake, but I felt like a snowflake when I first like really read about snowflake. I'm like, oh man, I feel like this is describing me. And I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe it is. We'll find out why later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, you know, before we go into further details as to, you know, our encounters and experiences, uh, let me term what snowflakes are, right? So, I looked up, this is one of the more accurate definitions of snowflake that I can find. It says, a snowflake is fragile, but perfectly formed. A bit like Generation Y, uh, I think now, you know, you you could call Generation Z as well. They have been educated to a high standard, brought up by well-meaning but overprotective parents, to believe they can achieve anything. But somehow, they seem unable to cope with the challenges of working life. I mean, I hate to sound like an uncle. I hate to sound like a boomer right now, you know, calling people out because I really hated it when people used the term snowflakes because here I am busting my butt doing something which, you know, I'm completely unfamiliar with because I'm new to the workforce. And here I am being, you know, termed a snowflake and, you know, whatever terms that, you know, can be very demotivating sometimes. But let's dive deep into understanding what these people right so my first question is have you met any snowflakes and uh, how do you deal with them okay i'm not a person who like to label people but let's just for the purpose of this episode let's just say i have met a snowflake before so what happened was this person was a intern and uh, the only comparison that i can compare to with myself when i was an intern versus this intern like the work ethics and the attitude. When I was an intern, I worked so hard, even though my pay was almost nothing. But I'm like, okay, this company decided to take me in. I'm still a student. I don't have any experience and they're giving me the opportunity to learn and yada, yada. I'm like, okay, I need to work hard. 
but for some reason the younger generation they're not even that much younger to be honest they are like maybe two three years younger but their attitude is so different to them it's like oh i'm only here for a few months i'm doing it so that i can graduate from my degree so i don't really care if i get to learn here or if i piss people off so the funniest moment is that this intern she was unhappy with what my boss asked her to do basically asked her to ot and like oh your work is not good enough can you redo this and i want it by today and she was mad about it she went to hr and said why is the boss asking me to ot this is not in the contract why do i have to do this i'm just an intern and it's just my first week and next thing you know my boss was like the door is always open you're welcome to leave as much as you're welcome to enter and she just had to suck it up she was like oh no i pissed off the wrong person you just have to suck it up and do her job <laughs> but i guess the point that you know you don't want to work ot none of us really want to work extra hours but we do sometimes and back then i was in a digital marketing company so it was pretty fast paced as well and you just have, have to keep up just manage your own expectations and you know keep an open mind now when you go and work no matter your intern or your full-time part-time whatever you know it doesn't matter and and you know i i think we're not too far away from the younger generation that we talk about you know let's just look at us i've been in the workforce for about five and a half years samantha i think you you, you said you were in the workforce about two and nas has been around you know, for, for six years or more. So you're not too far away. I don't think so that justifies us, you know, being able to judge people. But, you know, I think it's just, for example, based on observation is how we are going to deduce this episode per se. La. Right. And, and, you know, sometimes we are often defined as uh, people who grew up with parents who made them feel like they are special and unique, right? Resulting in an, you know, inflated perception of self. And so that builds sort of an ego. And, you know, I personally think the generation that we are in, not just the generation younger than us, we are given the liberty to be snowflakes per se, you know, in open inverted commas and closing inverted commas, because we go to our jobs to find ourselves and build careers. You know, very, very much unlike most of our parents' generation, for example, because most of them, uh, went to work to put food on the table, right? So in, in some ways, the younger generation such as ourselves and the generation after us, we sort of have a safety net. So we, we are given the liberty to be snowflakes. We are given the liberty to be, you know, a bit choosy. We are given the liberty to be spoiled brats. We're given the liberty to be a bit lazy. I'm not saying that all of us are. I'm not saying that all of us are lazy. I'm not saying that every one of us uh, you know, are snowflakes. I'm just saying that it gives people like us the option, right, to be a bit more slacky at work at the start of our careers, which is why I think there's such thing as uh, the term snowflakes. So, you know, this is something which I hear uh, in the previous episode. Uh, in the previous episode, there's something which Renuka used a lot, the term social capital. I think it's just something that, that we all have, but something which most of our folks uh, in the previous generation didn't have much social capital technically is the access to education is the access to you know basic necessities without any issues mm -hmm. you know access to books access to everything it's just that I guess we come from a generation where the social capital is in excess right so uh, Nas in your opinion is it wrong for people like us 
to feel like uh, we're special and you, because most of us grew up, you know, everyone was told, you know, when you're young, you know, when you grow up, you can be whoever you want, whatever you want, right? And everyone told us that we're unique. You play a certain instrument, you think you're unique, and then only to find out later, you know, nine out of ten people play the piano, nine out of ten people <laughs> play the guitar, and you know, so so all of us have this some sort of ego that that we're different from someone else, which you know, I I think uh, leads us to become a little bit more egoistic, lah. So my next question is, how do we find a balance between expressing intolerance and being oversensitive? Hmm. <laughs> Am I the right person to answer this? <laughs> <laughs> I think, to be honest, it's very hard to find the balance. Just like, it's not a snap of finger and you know the balance, you know. We don't even learn balance like that when we start walking. You have to fall a few times before you can be on your feet, right? But I would say intolerance is a subjective thing. And the best way that I can think to go about this is that the way you express yourself. Like your tone of voice and your choice of words, you know, you don't have to be overly protective. Essentially, better communication skills. I feel like personally, I feel like it's okay to let your colleagues or your boss know that you are not happy with a certain thing. But first thing first, don't like confront people right the second that. You are unhappy about certain things because we all know that our emotions really can affect our thinking. That's why you will look like you are being overly sensitive if you just react. So the thing is, don't react, respond, and take your time to respond. Right. I completely second this because I think you know, in general, no one actually teaches people like us. No one actually teaches the generation after us to be resilient until we actually enter the real world. I mean, I'm not going to comment about our our schooling syllabus. I'm not going to comment about the, you know the standard of our education. But I'm saying that whatever you learn in school, whatever you learn in university, uh, really prepares you for the actual world. Yeah, you learn technical skills mm-hmm. and stuff. You got all this knowledge. You got all this talent. Yeah, sure. But when it comes to actually working in the actual industry, it's a whole different story, right? Because at the end of the day, you study with people who are in the similar age range as you. But when you go to work, you work with people of you know of different ages. Your manager is probably going to be ten years older than you. His manager is going to be probably twenty years older than you. Some of them are almost close to retirement. Mm-hmm. You never are prepared to work, you mm-hmm. know, with people like this. And sometimes when you work with people like this, you get frustrated, right? So what happens is you go and look for different jobs. Few months you go to another job. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with job hopping because I've done it multiple times, and I don't think you know it. It's something bad. A lot of people do it as well, and you know it works for some. Sometimes you hop jobs, you get better pay, you get better opportunities. Yeah, sure, great. But if you hop around for that one particular reason, which is you know you're not able to deal with the people, you're not able to deal with stress, you're not able to deal with workload, you're not able to work, you know, due to whatever reason it may be. What's going to happen is you're going to go to every job and you're going to have the exact same problem over and over and over again. Yep. You cannot take criticism, right? You think you don't have opportunities. You don't like your colleagues. I don't like the guy who sits beside me. So what happens is you go in a loop, lah, right? So how I know this? Because I've been in that situation. I've been two years. I've gone literally nowhere. I didn't climb the ladder whatsoever. And I, you know, at the end of the two years, I realized that, you know, I've been in the exact same position. So now my question is, how to not be a snowflake at work? 
for me like the more you meet people the better you are because you have a benchmark there because it doesn't matter the age because of the experience there. you can say like you can meet 10 or 20 or 50 people in any workplace you have to learn how their body language how they talk and how they react and act so for me the way i am right now is because of my job hopping I, i know and i met a few people that i was like you know if i want to get better for my future i have to learn how to act like them in a good way so the more people you meet the more that you polish yourself so that's my take yeah i i completely agree sam what's your take i think it's really harsh to label people but we get labeled anyways <laughs> yeah it's like i didn't choose to be called a snowflake i didn't choose to be in this generation but i am but how not to be a snowflake at work just basing off the a general definition of what is a snowflake right being entitled, being lazy and overly sensitive. If you know what makes a snowflake, then just don't do those things. Have an open mind, do your work, be humble. Don't be lazy. Work hard and be patient, you know. You can be sensitive, but just don't be overly sensitive. You know, that is the difference. You know, there's always boundaries to things. Yeah. Me can be anything. You want to be lazy. You want to be like snowflake. Anything you can be because it's yourself. But for me, I have to think like, why well, I want to be like this in the next three to five years? If I don't, so I have to change. You know, everything is Google now. Everything is on YouTube, so you can do a better version of yourself. How to not be like this? So everything is there. Just that turn that lazy into diligent. Right. Slow down on the workplace gossip. Subscribe to Malaysia Kini for as low as twelve ringgit a month to talk about current affairs at work instead. You know, if there's something which I would like to, you know, retrospect. And actually, tell my younger self as a person who is just entered the workforce. I think my my biggest realization is, uh, when you enter the workforce, you are literally no one. You can think that you have all the knowledge in the world. You think your university and your friends, whatever organization that you have joined, equip you enough for the workforce. It doesn't make sense, right? There's no such thing. Every every organization works differently, right? It's only when you build yourself up and when you actually climb the corporate ladder. That is where you actually would make a difference. As a fresh graduate, no one's going to take you seriously because you're literally there to learn, the, the, learn the trade, and then make a mark for yourself. But I mean, of course, with boundaries, lah. You don't want to, you know, please your bosses so much to the point where you get thrown around in a way. But like, you know, know your boundaries, lah. Right? Know your place. Be patient. Go to work. Earn your keep. Build a reputation, a really good reputation, lah. Not a bad one. And then go home. Because that's the only mantra that actually would would have kept me going. Because if I actually fed on to my emotions all the time, I'm gonna end up, you know, the same thing again, right? Hop from job to job, and then which lead me nowhere. And then next thing you know, two years later, in the exact same situation in that executive level, which you absolutely don't want, right? So with with that topic covered, I think we roughly sort of get the definition of what you know being a snowflake is, and. What it actually means. Uh, let's move on to to another very very important topic when it comes to having work ethic. It's the work life balance. A lot of us talk about work life balance, right? Because having a job 
is a huge part of your life. It takes up some of them, even half of your entire lifetime. So we've got two terms here. Number one is work-life balance and number two is work-life integration. So I'll help you define lah, right? Work-life balance is basically where you try and keep your work-life and your personal life separate, but in a way equals. Basically, like, what's the guy in Batman? Two-Face, uh, Two-Face, right? It's like that, like, two-Face <laughs> from Batman. And, and then you have work-life integration, where you try and remove the distinction between work-life and also your personal life, and you try and make them coexist. So, my question now is, do you think you're more of a work-life balance or a work-life integration kind of a person? I think when I first entered the workforce, it was work-life balance because back then it was easy. It was like a customer service job. So, you know, you're offline then nobody can find you. It's a hotline. <laughs> nobody can find you. So, it was easy to have a work-life balance. But now, I would say I'm more of a work-life integration kind of person just because of the different um, nature of the work that I am doing. And I think it applies to a lot of different other jobs as well. And I would personally think that work-life integration is more doable at this stage compared to work-life balance because as much as we would like to work six hours, it doesn't always happen, like I said before. And the best way that you can go about it is that, you know, work is really part of your life and it doesn't have to be in sections. Like I don't section out X amount of time for my hobby, X amount of time for friends, X amount of time for this and that, you know. But so why do I have to do that for work? You know, just integrate everything. Everything is your life as a whole, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Naz, what do you think? I prefer work-life integration because you want to have a good day. Because work-life integration, I think not many people can get it, but you have to create it. Actually, there's no work-life balance, per se, because you only have 24 hours. Let's say you have 8 hours of working, but it's not actually 8 hours, so it's 10 hours, plus minus the traffic and all. So that. It's not a work-life balance. For me, there's no work-life balance because there's no such thing except for work-life integration. So that's my take. Right. You know, I, I would like to second, uh, especially what Samantha said, it, it actually really depends on the nature of your job, lah, right? If you are able to keep it separate, then yeah, so be it. So you go to work, right? You focus on work, you finish work, you forget about work, and then you go back home and then you do your stuff. But I think, you know, in some natures of, of your job, it requires a certain, like, I, I think, I, I can speak for myself, for example, because I come from a creative industry. So what content I churn out in the working hours actually really depends on what my lifestyle is like. I create better content when I have a better life, if it makes sense. You get what I mean? So in, in a way, I would personally prefer the, the integration bit of it because it is actually really, really vital for my job. Right. Uh, when, when I was pretty much new towards the working industry, I always you know thought, okay, fine. I'm, um, everyone told me to keep work professional and keep your life personal, right? But how do you do this when your work is also very much personal to you? Because you actually love what you do. You actually enjoy uh, going to work. You actually enjoy seeing your colleagues. You actually enjoy, you know, creating content and whatever not. What happens here is when you make your job personal, it becomes your entire lifestyle. Your job becomes your entire lifestyle. So basically, you're integrating it, right? But 
what happens when there's something bad happening in your work organization that doesn't involve your job. So then it affects you personally. And then you go back to the thinking, oh, now how do I keep my job professional only? And so I think the one thing which I learned from this entire learning process is you can keep your job personal, but never keep your organization personal. Uh, you can love your job, but at the end of the day, how you deal with your colleagues, how you deal with management, if you let that affect you personally, that's when you'll, you'll actually take a toll on your, on your lifestyle. I understand in some job scopes, you can't avoid it. But like if you can, that's one way to you know, sort of uh, lead a healthier mental health lifestyle per se and also a physical lifestyle, right? That's, that's my take on it. So, and on to the next question. You know, we all spoke about how great work-life integration is. But then there's, there's this question, how do you set the boundaries then? How do you set work-life boundaries? Especially when it comes to, you know, dealing with stress, dealing with your personal life. If your work is so integrated with your life, how do you handle all these stresses at the same time? This is also a question that I would really like to ask, right? Like, if we really integrate, especially when you say, like, you know, you like seeing your colleagues, uh, you like what you are doing. Let's just say that you have a problem with your colleagues. Does that count as a work stress or is that a personal problem? So like, where do we even draw the line of what is the work issue and what is the personal issue? But my take on it is that sometimes you can set boundaries. For example, like, don't bother me on weekends. That could be your work-life boundaries. But on weekdays, on workdays, you can bother me as much as you want, even at night if you want to bother me. If that is your choice, of course, you don't have to do it. But since you're, we all prefer work-life uh, integration, uh, it's hard to draw the boundaries sometimes. Like, my conclusion to this question would be like, you know, if, if you love your job so much, if you love something so much, nothing can keep you away from it. So if, if you really love, uh, if you're really passionate about your job, right, no one can tell you otherwise. When you are in love with your job, you'll perform well and therefore, you know, in, in the future, you'll earn your keep and whatever not. Everything else uh, aside from your job is completely collateral. So I think, you know, as long as you prove your worth and value, everything else can be dealt with via effective communication or whatever you may be, right? Okay, I think, you know, with work-life balance slash work-life integration covered, I think we sort of understand the difference. And I think, you know, it's not wrong to have either. It really depends on the nature of your job and what works for you best in a way where you lead your life in a healthier way, lah. Right? So there's no right or wrong. Whatever we said is purely based on our preference and experiences. Now, when you go to work, there's two major parties, yourself and your boss. Right? You're technically going to be dealing with your boss your entire career. With a boss, your entire career, maybe towards the end mm-hmm. when you become a boss. Lah, right? But the one also, there's a very high chance that you know, unless you start your own business or you really climb up the ladder way up to the top, you are definitely going to have a boss over you even up until retirement, right? The question is, what are the, some of the common practices at work do you really enjoy? So common practices as to the expectations that you set with your bosses. Have you guys set expectations with your bosses before? So like, for example, you come into a job and you tell, okay, my career here, I want to achieve this, 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 this. And this is what I expect from your end. I need you to guide me. I need you, la, la, la. And in return, I hope to take your place someday. Some things like that. La. Have you all done things like that before? I think not to the extent, like not in specific. But I think managing expectations is a big part about uh, joining a company. Before you even join the company, 
and say yes, I will accept the job offer. You need to communicate with your boss or your team that you know these are the list of things I can do. These are the things that I would like to learn. I know you guys can do. I would like to learn. And so you are putting yourself out there like, okay, this is what I can offer, and this is maybe what you can give me in return. And I think that is really important because it sets you on the right foot. You don't have to like argue in the future like, why you can't do this? I thought they are supposed to know how to do this. But if you since the beginning, you just say I can do these things, and then it will be much better for the long run. And in terms of like common practices, I think what is really important is also like mutual respect. So it's not a one-way thing. It's not just like good morning boss, and then you get a nod. You say good morning boss, you also expect your boss to say good morning. And I think that is very important to be respectful to each other and also to manage your expectations. You know, on the topic about you know calling your leader a boss, I mean not to be so much of a Gen Y slash Gen T, but I never really liked that term. I mean, of course, your uh, superior, your manager is not on the same level as you lah. But I personally mm. think when there's a boss who specifically asks you to call him boss, that itself is like, oh. ah, okay, what is he up to? <laughs> uh, you know, is he here to eat me yeah. up or not? You know, on the topic of that, we will speak about red flags in the workplace in the next few questions. So my next question is, in the very limited years of experience that we three have, have you all faced any bad experiences with your bosses? And, you know, what did you learn out of it? For me, there's only a few percent that I can salvage during my stay at my previous company. So I've done my best, but just that my boss didn't like me. I don't know because of work or because of bad mouthing or what. I don't know, but I have to know the if the writing is on the wall. Yeah, and that's my previous experience with my boss. Right. I mean, I can understand, I can relate because I remember at this one point in time I, of my job, you know, it, it reached a point where it's like, okay, no, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I'm going to stay in this job for a few years because this is what I want to learn. But in this job, I was so committed to it and I loved it so much to the point where I let myself take the beating so much where I I actually lost weight, I went into depression, I couldn't sleep, I had insomnia, I used to get sick really often and it was so toxic where you know I, I felt like I was thrown under the bus multiple times, profanities were used multiple times and you know it reached a point where I asked myself, is this job really really worth it i loved it i hated the people right i loved the job so much i hated the people because it didn't do me any good whatsoever so it reached a point where i i thought that like you know the only way i could actually grow no matter how much i love the job is to find somewhere else where i am uh, appreciated for what i do and you know I, I was lucky enough i found a place which appreciated me for who i am lah. and i think sometimes being called names, you know, having these stigmas thrown around, yeah, sure, it makes you a stronger person. But if at any point it reaches a point where you can't take it anymore and you really, really feel that there's zero value being brought to you as an employee, that's when I think that's a point where you actually, you know, move on, find something else, right? Find somewhere else where you can actually grow. Which leads me to the next question, right? The more interesting bit. How do you spot red flags about people and culture in a company? What are your red flags? Uh, I mean, not your red flags. Uh, how do you identify red oh flags? 
<laughs> I think the most obvious red flag to me at the back of my head, the first one is when people start calling you names or cussing at you for no reason. Like, if you get to a point of closeness where you make fun of each other, you would know when they are just joking compared to when they actually mean it, when they call you a certain name and say some shitty things about you, you know. That is one of the biggest red flags. The other one is if they have um, values that are vastly different from yours. I'm a very big person on like being respectful and all this. And a certain job that I used to be in, um, they used to make fun of minorities and it's not funny to me. And if you make fun of mental health, you take it lightly. That is not funny to me. That those are like red flags. Why would you say such things? Right. In my personal experience, the red flags to me were technically I I seen this very common in organizations who lack transparency but spends a lot of resources looking smart. Puts money first. Yeah, sure. In all businesses, money is important. Revenue is important. But the people lah. In an organization, your biggest resource is the people. Right, so you got good people, you make better revenue. You got good people, you are able to grow mm-hmm. your organization. But but some organizations who lack this mentality, it's very very difficult for employees to really grow, climb up the ladder. Yeah. But uh, sometimes I think that is very very detrimental to uh, you know people, especially people who are coming in the organization from a very early stage, fresh graduates and whatnot. Right. To conclude, I think uh, what I like to say is. When you quit too soon, what's going to happen is the generation like ours and the generation after us will continuously have the perspective of being snowflakes, which is what we don't want. We want to be uh, a generation that is new. We want to be a generation that evolves. We want to be a generation that is able to bring out a new industrial revolution because this is something which our predecessors, our parents and our grandparents couldn't have done. Because in the future, over the next 10, 20 years, the industry that we are entering to, only we understand. So this is the legacy that we want to leave, right? Not the legacy of being called snowflakes. I mean, the entire reason we brought up this topic is because we are being called snowflakes, which is not what we want to do. We don't want, you know, future generations to start podcast talking about us uh, being labeled as such. So... With that in mind, that's it for this particular episode of Euphoria by Malaysia Kini. I hope this episode sheds a bit of light as to why we call snowflake, sheds a bit of light on how to avoid being called snowflakes, right? Sheds a bit of light on how to have better work ethics. Thank you so much, Samantha. Thank you so much, Nas, for joining me on this episode. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much everyone for listening in until the very end of this episode. We really hope that you'll stay tuned for our upcoming episodes, listen to our previous episodes. If you guys want to check us out on Spotify, you can always check us out on Euphoria by Malaysia Kini. If you want to check out our update, upcoming episodes, previous episodes, you know, and whatever not, you can always look us up on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at Euphoria MK. Thank you so much guys. Yes. 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 Yes.